Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Book Geeks Uncompromised, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. This week, we're recommending The Armored Saint by Mike Cole. And I haven't dived into this one too much. But it's amazing. But it is a good time. Um, it's a pretty short story from what I've seen, but everything about it looks really the good. The audiobook can't possibly be very long because the physical book is only like 200 pages. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. It is well worth the read or listen. And we'll be diving into that one next week. Again, that was audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc for your free 30 days and free book. audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc. Welcome to Book Geeks Uncompromised. The entire series. I don't know what it was about this book. I just, I loved it so much. How do I know more about it than you do? And it's your number I'm one book. I'm bad with names, okay? Spoilers, <laughs> guys. And we are ready for some reason. When in doubt, be lame. Everyone buckle up. <laughs> Welcome back to Book Geeks Uncompromised, where we make reading less solitary. This is episode 92, Woo-hoo. where we will be reviewing A Big Ship at the Edge of the Universe by Alex White. That is a nice. long title. That is a very long title for, like, a quick plot. It's, it's a big yeah. ship over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big thing over there. It's, it's that yeah. way. <laughs> Woohoo books! Woo books! Yeah, uh, we were doing that ad read. As soon as I started doing it, I realized I didn't know the plot of the Armored Saint off the top of my head. Stuff. Amazing stuff. So I was it's, like, it's good. <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know anything about it, it's basically like, you know, in epic fantasy stories, like the um, first part of the story where the kid that lives in the village and stuff happens, and now the bad guys are killing his people, so he has to go off and fight the evil empire. It's like that first little bit all on its own, just with the emotions of it just super magnified, and it's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I read a little bit of it forever ago, but I want to fully read it and get into it, so we will. We will. Woohoo. I'll read it again. <laughs> and you're okay with that? I'm not complaining. No. <laughs> All right. So, uh, books this week. I'm I, I was I'm finally going to finish Bloody Rose. I oh, started okay. It. I'm okay. finally going to finish it. I just haven't had time to get to it, but I'm finally going to finish it. I I've read several books since we last were on here. Yeah. But uh, one that I kind of picked up and I read about half of it and then I kind of skimmed the rest <laughs> was um the lead guy from the Ghost Adventures TV oh, show, gosh. Zach Bagans, he has his memoir that he put out a few years oh, ago called I Am Haunted. It is and, gold. Like, I was reading it kind of ironically because I watched Ghost Adventures to kind of laugh at it. Not because, yeah. you know, I don't believe in ghosts or anything, but he's just so ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that that's kind of the attitude I went into reading the book. and. His douchebaggery surpassed the, expectations. The quotes you were reading from it the other night yeah. were just amazing. That you you were telling me about, like I know one. I know one was he was like digging on other investigators. Oh, that's basically. half the book. Oh, is it? <laughs> yes, like every other page, he's complaining or not complaining, but he's putting down other paranormal investigators because they're not. They don't go as far as he does. They, they don't dig as deep it's, as he does. It's crazy. And there's there's an entire chapter that has nothing to do with ghosts. Nothing to do with anything paranormal. 
the entire chapter, and it's like a five-page chapter, <laughs> is entirely about this one time he went to Reno, which he hates Reno, by the way. <laughs> oh. Um, and he was out taking a walk, and these kids came out of the woods looking like they, like teenage kids, had come out of the woods, and he's like, oh, they're like crackhead kids. And they try to pick a fight with him. So instead of being the bigger person and walking away, like he like chases after them. <laughs> and they get away or something, and then he like goes back to the hotel, and he wakes up the next morning like, I'm going to go find those kids and teach them a lesson. Oh, dear Lord. That's the entire chapter. That's amazing. He didn't find the kids, oh. by the way, for anybody that was just waiting so for the end of that story. So it was a sad ending. <laughs> sad ending to the story. Yeah, and it was like, Frace is this standing up to people kind of thing. <laughs> to crackhead lesson. teenagers. Yes. Good for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, if it was an adult that came up on him or something like that. But Even it was just then, a just walk just, away. Yeah. Just like, it's not that, not it's, laugh. Laugh and walk away. Yeah. Oh man! If you have that not was watched, about when I started skimming. If the you book. if you have not watched shows like Ghost Adventure, uh, Hunt and Sasquatch, I think it was called. Oh yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, Finding Sasquatch. Finding Sasquatch. Yeah. The, the thing is, the thing is, you're, you're, yeah, you're like looking from the outside, going, "Those look stupid." Exactly. <laughs> That's why you should watch them <laughs> because they are so stupid. I can't count how many times with my dad, uh, with our dad and our little brother Mike, how we went, "Hey, you want to go squatching?" Just because, just from that. <laughs> Show. If it's foggy outside, like it looks awful oh, squatchy like out here. Squatchy out there, which is an actual line from an actual show. <laughs> oh, so they're fun to watch. They are a lot of fun to watch. So. But on better news, I have been reading more of the Malazan books, which Ooh. are enormous and dense, but very good. <laughs> Those are the Broken Earth uh, trilogy. No, or? that's the fifth season. Oh, the, the fifth Malazan. Season, right, right. It starts with Gardens of the Moon. Oh, okay. Um, then Dead House Gates, and I'm on to the third book right now. Or I start, I'm like nice. ten pages into the third book. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right, so I guess we can dive into news at this news. point. Okay, so we got two bits of news. Yeah. This bi week, two weeks? I don't know. Okay, so two big pieces of news. <laughs> One uh, was something that we were kind of discussing a little bit on the Book Geeks Uncompromised Facebook group, mm-hmm. and that was um, George R. R. Martin said something <laughs> about the TV series could have lasted 13 seasons. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it could have. Maybe he had plot for it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean it would have been good. Yeah, and I think something that was said about this past season, season seven, was that it felt a little bit rushed at times. Like, throughout the rest of the series, whenever somebody was traveling from point A to point B, the actual journey was part of the plot. Yeah. And then in season seven, it's all of a sudden people are just Boom. popping up wherever. Yeah. 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 So... In that way, I can see how it could have been dragged out more if more of the traveling stories had been more incorporated into it. But I I still, we're getting to a part where things are coming together. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of snowballing. It's getting bigger and bigger, going faster and faster. Yeah, and I I think a big problem with it is, and probably one of the reasons why it felt rushed, is because it caught up to the books. And it yeah. got past the books. So it, it left behind the pacing of the books. Exactly, exactly. Which is, which is, yeah, is exactly a thing I have worried about series such like if, if Way of Kings, the Stormlight Archives ever become a TV show, um, is one thing I'd be worried that this TV series gets beyond the books because mm-hmm. then you kind of lose your source material. Even if you have the author commenting and write, like I think George R. R. Martin actually writes for I don't the know Game if he's show. writing these later seasons. He might be. He might be. I know. I know he is a big part in them. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just i I feel like when you lose the source material, you have a chance for going off the off book, like rushing, like yeah. it felt like a lot of people there. It didn't have the same pacing. It didn't have the same 
it had the same feel to it, but it just wasn't the same. Right. I guess. So I I think every show has a time when it needs to end. You know, if a show ends well, then good. Uh, I mean, you look at, I love Supernatural. Love Supernatural Death, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. It has gone on too long. <laughs> that show Sadly, has, has yeah. stretched way too much. And when your characters die 50 times and keep coming back. When it's become a running joke. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just. Yeah, it can be too much. There's a there's a point when you need to say, okay, this is enough. Well, as far as supernatural goes, I think when they first put it, when they first started, it was plotted out for the first five seasons. Yeah. So, and you can tell that because at the end of the fifth season, it feels like an ending, and everything from the first episode built up to that season five finale. Yeah. So it's like, wow, this is going really good. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. And it kind of floundered for a couple of seasons. It did. I think it, it, it never fully got back to. The first couple seasons. I can't remember his name, but I think after season five is when the showrunner left, too. He was the one who had plotted everything. Yeah, I, I think he name. left at that point. Eric or Kripke? Eric Kripke, yeah, yeah. I think it was Kripke. Um, and I think it was at that point he left. Um, now, and overall, I love Supernatural. It's one of my right. favorite shows. It's going on. It's, I think, coming up on its 14th season. Yeah. But it's just like, there's got to be a point. So with Game of Thrones, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's ending where it is. Um, trying to drag it out just just seems unless you have a really good plot idea to keep it going. Eh, no, I, I'd say I'd well, say end it end it when it's good. Well, and Big Bang Theory I think is on its final season now. Yeah, and I think it's been time for it to go for as well. While. Like I've really enjoyed it, but. The first, the, again, the early part of the season, it was about nerds and their interactions mm -hmm. with the world around them. Yeah. And now it's just another sitcom with some nerd references. Yeah. It's, it's definitely gotten it's to that It's not point. what it was anymore. Yeah. And the only reason the show ended was because the actor who plays Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons came in and said, I'm, I'm kind of done. Yeah. And, and that's, and they, they can't have a show without Sheldon Cooper. Big Bang right. Theory isn't the same without him. So yeah, there's, there's a point where a show just needs to end. Yeah. <laughs> Um, kind of sticking on TV shows. There's one actually I watched this week. Oh I meant to talk yeah, about yeah. That I really enjoyed. Um, it's it's only like nine episodes. Uh, it's on Netflix it's called The Dragon Prince. I keep seeing it. every time I turn on Netflix, I see it. I didn't realize it, it just, was only nine episodes. Yeah, it's pretty. I think it's only nine. If I if I remember correctly, it's only nine, and they're like twenty four thirty okay. minutes each. Um, it's it's definitely a show that is is geared towards kids because it's you know it's TV seven. There's no blood. There's no swearing. Um, it's an animated show. Um, but what first got me bad is when I started watching it, I was like, wow, this is a really generic, like generic fantasy setting. Like I'm, you know, I'm not gonna be surprised by this. The basic story is humans, elves and dragons and all creatures live together in this one land, happy with all the different magic. And then humans discovered dark magic and the elves and dragons said, nope, get out. You know, <laughs> basically like, you know, that's, that's evil magic. We don't want that here and forced them out. Now it never explained why they fought, like why the humans kept fighting them. Like, I guess uh -huh. they wanted to get back there. They, their, their countries touch each other. Like it wasn't They're like they kicked them to another kingdoms. Island. Yeah. They became neighboring kingdoms. And, uh, basically in the fighting at one point after hundreds of years, the humans kill the dragon King and and destroy, uh, his son's, his only egg. And so the elves are angry about that. And the start of the plot is the elves are coming to, you know, assassinate the King of the humans. Uh, I think there's different kingdoms in the humans, but they don't really go into that. Um, but the whole plot is basically two of the princes and an elf assassin events happen. And they're like, Oh no, we can stop the war. And, okay. and it goes from there. Um, but the magic's fun. Uh, the animation gets a little weird at times. Um, really? it's a little like, you know how the star Wars animated shows look? Yeah. It kind of looks like that at times. It's kind of, but more iffy. anime. 
Yeah, a little more anime look to it. But it, it, like the animation's kind of sticky at times. It just doesn't oh, look right. Okay. As the show went on, it seemed to get better. But it had genuinely funny moments. The magic's cool. Um, it doesn't help that uh, the main character, Callum, one of the princes, he is the voice actor who plays him does the voice for Sokka from the Last Airbender TV show, which he was my favorite character from that show. Okay. Like I started watching and I heard his voice. I was like, that sounds so familiar. Why is he funny? Hmm. <laughs> and I looked up, I was like, it's, it's Sokka. Oh my gosh. Um, but what got me thinking was, um, and I posted this in our Facebook group, uh, Book Geeks Uncompromised group on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> it's like group slash Facebook geeks. Yeah. But um, what got me thinking was about generic fantasy stories. Like, it, is it still okay for, like, if you're reading a book and it is a very generic setting? Is that okay, it's, or do we always want a new one? Because I it's, feel like... It's okay to have tropes, yeah, and it's okay to do tried and true, but I think that it's not going to be as compelling if you don't insert, or if something is not inserted that is... Different. New. Yeah. I mean, e- even if it's just compelling characters, yeah. or, you know, something little. Okay. I think it's gotta stand on its own i mean you're it's gonna feel like everything else it's gonna be forgettable yeah and that's and that's i think dragon prince definitely did separate itself a little bit there were things about it that were interesting uh and not gonna lie gave me some ideas for my D campaign that would be fun nice. um but uh yeah and, that, and that's just, that's what got me thinking was generic fantasy setting is it okay to still have that but yeah i see what you're saying that that makes a lot of sense there's as long as there's something compelling about the story or right. characters, it can still be fun. Yeah, because there's there's more to a story than just where it takes place. Right. So uh, it, it can be a carbon copy of another setting pretty much with some different names, as long as it gives you another reason to want to read it. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Very cool. All right. So the other news story, <laughs> which I'll be honest, I almost didn't want to talk yeah. about this, and I'm sure you all know where it's going, but that <laughs> is the Fantastic Beasts trailer that came out earlier yeah. this week that showed um nagini nagini i was trying to think of how to phrase it it, it shows oh. her in a human form um in the 1920s working as a circus act or i don't know if working is the right term or yeah. if she's been captured or something like because she's in it like looks a more cage. like forced yeah yeah it does um so Let's start here. What were your initial impressions on learning, on, on seeing that trailer or hearing that Nagini was going to be a bigger part of Fantastic Beasts? Let's me, just start there. Me personally, I like it. I definitely enjoy it because I always thought, oh, Nagini's just Voldemort snake. You know, it was, yeah. it was always just, yeah, that's his thing. He's got a big giant snake. Cool. Um, I never really knew Nagini's backstory or where she was from or who she was. I thought mm-hmm. Voldemort was just like, I like creepy snakes. Here we go. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> I'll make t- it a horcrux. Exactly. <laughs> um, I thought it was just an animal he bonded to. Um, okay. But seeing, uh, seeing the trailer and seeing Nagini that way, her having an actual plot of where she came from, I, I like it. I'm interested. See, that's um, where I'm at because... Yeah. Um, obviously Nagini is in the original Harry Potter books, so yeah, it's pulling that into this Fantastic Beast to make that connection. Um, but in this case, I feel like it fits fairly well. Like, I don't know, for fitting a Newt Scamander character as the quote-unquote main character in a story about Grindelwald doesn't quite mesh right with me just thinking about it but with what we have nagini i think works well there yeah to to learn more about her because she she was in the original harry potter books but she wasn't a major character she had zero character development yeah she was just a snake um even if we go with um jk rowling's i guess confirmation or retconning of canon saying that or confirming that the snake 
that Harry released in the zoo in the first book was Nagini. Yeah. Um, which that actually conflicts with this a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, um, that, that's just she had one line there where she th- said thanks. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's zero, you know, character development there, and here's a chance to do that. Yeah. Um, but because the internet is a thing, yeah, everybody's mad about it. <laughs> Ridiculous people are mad about it. Uh, okay, and I, I want to go into the arguments. Uh, the largest one is basically saying that it's racist. Yeah. For you know, this would make this Nagini character will be the second woman of color in the Fantastic Beast series, and there weren't really any women of color to speak of in the original Harry Potter series. Yeah. So every insertion is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and having this character be evil, I guess, um, a, a femme fatale, very um, stereotypical Asian character, I guess, is kind of yeah the the opinion, yeah. uh, uh, the opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. About it. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> here's here's the thing with that though. Nagini's evil. That's the point. With <laughs> and and I guess the only solution to that would be not to include that whole a Nagini storyline. Yeah, but I'm interested in it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested too. in hearing about it. I, I get what people are, are complaining about that, and I do get the opinion about that and why people aren't okay with it, but I don't know. Yeah, See, yeah. my the actress that's playing her, I think her name's Claudia Kim, mm-hmm. um, she said something in an interview about how she's looking, how she's looking forward to being able to explore – Nagini's character before she was a Horcrux. So that made me think about it some, which we know from the original series that being in close vicinity to a piece of Voldemort's soul made Ron and Harry and Hermione very irritable and very angry and made them assholes. Yeah. So (laughs) um, could it be possible that Nagini was only evil because she was a Horcrux. Maybe. And thus looking into this with it being, being a Fantastic Beast spin, being Newt Scamander as the main character, and being she's cursed to become a snake eventually, sh- could she be tied to Newt Scamander in some way? And we see some character development that way. Yeah, it, it might be that for whatever reason she's... Because at this point, Voldemort's not even born yet, I don't think. Or he might be very, he very young. He might be born almost. Because I want to say all this stuff with him at like the like the chamber of secrets was in the 50s i think you're right i think so so he would have been born in the 30s so he may not even be born yet i forget what year the battle of hogwarts was but i remember voldemort lived to be 71 that's crazy to think nagini's that old yeah i think the battle of hogwarts was in 98 yeah so i mean magic so she can live as long as she wants but well yeah they can use magic to explain that but um, I, I, I know another complaint you were talking about, or I guess opinion, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> was, was about that Nagini was based off an Indian culture kind of thing, uh, from India. Yeah. It's based and, on Sanskrit or and, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And the actress is South Korean and people are complaining about that. Because yeah, it meshes. It, yeah. Ethnicities. Um, basically saying that one Asian ethnicity is interchangeable <laughs> for any other. And at, I mean, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, But I also feel, on the other hand, that maybe it's a little bit nitpicky. It's it's a little nitpicky. Maybe. It's a little overreaching. Especially because this is all fiction. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's, if it's based on an Indian mythology, but that's not what it is. We're not talking about Indian mythology here. Yeah. We're, we're talking about Harry Potter, which is something new in its own that draws from many yeah. other 
um, areas and many other myths and folktales, things like that. But it's not what this is. We're not talking about Indian mythology. We're not talking about Sanskrit. Yeah, the story of the Fantastic Beast isn't trying to make a comment on on real-life things like that. This is just a story. It's a character. Um, and, and, And if people feel that way, that's how you feel, great. Don't go watch the movie. Yeah. I'll go watch the movie. I'll go enjoy it. I'll go have a good time. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. If you're against it, because the biggest way for you to get your point across is don't put your money towards it. That's the easiest way. If there's a book or a story or a movie you don't like, don't put your money towards it. That's that's the easiest. That's the easiest thing you can do because your money doesn't go towards it. They're not going to do it. I mean, you look. I guess if you if you put it that way, you could say that they're voicing their opinions on the internet as the way of letting them know why they're not seeing their money. True. True. So I mean, yeah, no, and that's fine. I mean, they can they can say it's free country, free internet. Say what you like, feel how you want. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. You know, we would never do that. But at the end of the day, I just want to enjoy a story. I just want to enjoy a book. I just want to enjoy a show. Um, And if you don't if you don't like it, don't watch it. The final um and i will say complaint for this one that i've heard (laughs) is that rolling has very much created a tendency of retconning the canon of you know the the books have been done since what oh seven yeah yeah and so here we are 11 years later and we're still constantly making adjustments to the the history of it all in different little bits of you know fan theories that are constantly being confirmed and i don't and so this this would be one of those, yeah. Essentially, and I don't know. Um, at, I can see that to but a point. It, yeah. At the end of the day, it's her her world. It does it does feel it. a little bit forced because now she's almost contradicting herself, or at least there would have to be even more explaining to do it. Because yeah, if Nagini is the snake that was in Sorcerer's Throne, which is a fan theory that was confirmed by Rowling and not in the actual book it, books itself, right? That snake had a sign next to it said that it was bred in captivity. Yeah, so that's yeah. So that couldn't have been the Nagini from the 1920s. Or the, or the zoo was lying. Or the zoo was lying, or there was magic involved to make <laughs> them think that she was bred in captivity. <laughs> that's where I'm saying, like, you have to continually adjust more and more to make it work. And so that makes it feel a little bit thin. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all fiction anyway, so it's, what do yeah, I care? It's, it's, it's small details. It's small things that don't make that big a deal to me. Um, I... You know, it's J.K. Rowling's world. If she wants to retcon things and change things, she can. Um, but the original Harry Potter books are always what I'm going to enjoy. Uh, whatever other stuff comes out after, whatever J.K. Rowling posts or other people post, um, that's that's going to be their opinion. That's going to be their feeling on how things are done. I'm just going to enjoy the books and the movies for what they are and not try to dive deep into uh, all that kind of little stuff. That, yeah. That's, that's so. little stuff for me. The, the, the short version, the TLDR, is we don't care. We want to go see more Harry Potter movies. Yeah, we're going to go see it. We're going to go enjoy Jude Law's Dumbledore. I will, even if he's not, I mean, if there's not a porno X-rated gay scene in it, I'll still go see it. If there is no Grindelwald Dumbledore gay scene, I will be so mad. You're going to storm out? I'm going to storm out. <laughs> that was a joke. I know he's I gay. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's fine. There you go. <laughs> So just to, just enjoy your movies, people. Just enjoy your movies. Or don't go see them. Or don't go see them. Let us. Give us your ticket. Give me your ticket. Buy it and then give it to me. Yes, yeah, so giving them their <laughs> money. Go. Right. So that doesn't quite work for what you said earlier. But they're not getting my money, so you're equaling out. 
They're, okay. Yeah. Okay. Instead of two tickets getting bought, only one's getting bought and given. So logic, Greg. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Send all your tickets to Harry Potter to Book Geeks Uncompromised. Yeah, if you would like to donate a ticket, <laughs> Book Geeks Uncompromised at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. So there go. enough of that. Yeah. Good times. I actually wrote out like a whole blog post where I was going to complain about it all, and then I was I, I still have yeah. it sitting there, and I'm like I'm not going to do that. No, I'll just, yeah. I'll take I'll take my soapbox right here to the podcast. Exactly. This is this <laughs> is going to be, be enough to stoke the flames. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. All right, so we dive into publicity. Publicity is good publicity, right? Right, exactly. Okay, yes. So, A Big Ship at the Edge of the Universe by Alex White is the book we are reviewing this week. Uh, spoiler free, as always. And I will jump into the Goodreads synopsis. Boots Ellsworth was a famous treasure hunter in another life, but now she's washed up. She makes her meager living faking salvage legends and selling them to the highest bidder. But this time she might have stumbled on something real. The story of the Harrow, a famous warship capable of untold destruction. Nyla Brio is the top driver in the Pan-Galactic Racing Federation. Oh, hey, that's what PGRF stands for. I was wondering that the whole book. Okay. Uh, Top driver in the Pan-Galactic Racing Federation and the darling of the racing world until she witnesses the murder of a fellow racer. Framed for the murder and on the hunt to clear her name, Nyla only has one lead. The killer also hunts a woman named Boots. On the wrong side of the law, the two women board a smuggler ship that will take them on a quest for fame, riches, and for justice. So I want to say, they don't board the ship so much as they're kidnapped. They are kidnapped. (laughs) 100% kidnapped. (laughs) Forced on And then sort of integrate themselves into the crew. It turns out they're helpful. Yeah, it's it's Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Oh boy. It just got deeper. I mean, there are relationships between Nyla and one of the crew members, so. (laughs) Yeah, and Boots has a brief relationship with another one as well. Right, right. So, yeah. So there we go. Um, Yeah, That covers the story fairly well. Also known as Treasure Planet 2. Yeah, Treasure, treasure Planet, uh, Titan AE. Titan AE 2. <laughs> the search for the ship. The search for the ship. Um, the only thing it didn't mention was that Boots was part of the mil- She was in the Army yeah. or the Navy mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. you want to call it when it's on in space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Space Force. Space Force. She was, she was part of Space Force. Uh, um, hashtag fund it. Yeah, so there was a war that ended, what, 22 years before so. the story. Yeah. Um, that was called the Famine War, which and she was, and her ship were on the losing side. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the crew that she, uh, a crew, yeah, the capricious. I think it's capricious. Like yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so that was the ship that she was on in the military mm-hmm. and now it's also the crew that she sold some sort of fake plans to. So they're the ones that come back and Hey, you're coming hey. with us because hey. you lied to me. You screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with this world, it's definitely a, an interesting setup. I, I like the kind of post-war kind of feel to it because Boots is, is kind of defeated by it. That's right. part of her character. She's very, very negative, very down because, I mean, you would be too if you're your whole planet slash country. I'm not really sure. Um, at both. least, yeah, both. both. Uh, got pretty much nuked. Yeah. Nuked to nothing. And uh, so she's she's very much down like she's a depression to the 10th degree because it's just like nothing nothing makes her happy yeah except for her ai kin which is creepily the voice of a lost lover <laughs> so i imagine that doesn't help there were some rather creepy conversations between her and her i don't know if creepy yeah but I, I would I it would, was heartbreaking but yeah. also awkward 
Yeah, I th- I think I think heartbreaking is definitely more more what I lean okay. towards too. Because like she asked at one point, she asked him to say, "Can you?" She talks to the AI because the AI sounds like her her lost love, Ken. Uh, Ken. Yeah. Um, but he still talks as, you know, my previous incarnation, you know, yeah. he, 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 he talks like to that. the, the quote, the human, the kin human kin as somebody else. So and she asks him to refer to that kin as himself as himself. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that's a little weird, but yeah. you know, with all the stuff she's been through, <laughs> but the world building. So this story does incorporate both magic elements yeah. and science fiction. So yeah. there's spaceship and race cars. Like, yeah, Neela with her race cars. She has a mechanist glyph, I think is what it's called. Yeah, so everybody is born with a different glyph, mm-hmm. which what type of glyph you have, which it seemed like they were mostly unique to the person, mm-hmm. but there's a there are categories, I guess. Certain that, similar ones. Yeah, certain yeah. similar ones that, where they can be categorized that... Um, determines what kind of magic you're using. So like you said, Nyla has a mechanist one, so she has control over machinery. Yeah, and Orna Orna on the ship, one of the crewmates, she has... Hers is similar. Hers is very similar. They can both access systems. Like, there's one point they're both... Like, Nyla tries to hack the Capricious, the ship, and Orna is using her magic to stop her yeah. and block her. And, uh, um, the captain of the yeah, of ship. the capricious. <laughs> the capricious. Uh, he is. Um, he's able to shield. Yeah, things, shield is his magic, which is from himself to his whole ship. He, uh, he is the shields around the ship. The doctor can like see life forces mm-hmm. and uh, can manipulate life forces. Is that how that was? I think or? so. He's he's better at reading it and seeing okay. it. He can. It gives him like I guess a vision for he it. He can move it around though too, can't he? I think so. Yes. Because there was the cook who mm-hmm. his glyph. He's kind of the same, but his glyph is like. Deformed. Messed up. Yeah, it's a deformed glyph, so he can sense life forces, but he can't move them around. Right, right. So I, yeah, I think the doc can. Uh, the yeah. doctor could. Um, but and the, yeah, the cook was deformed. His his glyph was deformed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's definitely cool because I know like Neela, whenever she gets into her race car, um, that it's she uses her glyph and she's connected to the car. Yeah, it almost didn't even sound like she was steering. Like she yeah. was just connected to the car, and that's how she controlled it. Yeah, like she was because it never at point said something about putting her hands on a wheel. So oh, did it? Okay. I don't, no, oh, I don't it think didn't. it did. I don't. Think I don't so. remember it doing that either. But that would be interesting it, too, just kind of laying. Yeah. There, just, All right, we're driving. <laughs> That'd be so weird. It would be weird, but it was kind of cool like, yeah. how she talked about it, how um, she described being able to feel all the systems and yeah. turn everything on. Yeah, she could feel when one system was doing things right she it helped her with her timing a little bit Mm -hmm. more on you know like thrusters and accelerators and things like that about how to run things uh speaking of cool magic the bad guy who goes by the name mother um at the very beginning you know it talks about she witnesses a murder she sees mother like freeze time with her and another racer during a race and the mother's like saying all these plot stuff to the other racer and then she just (laughs) smashes the guy's head in right and neela just barely gets away uh, but mother's cool and legitimately terrifying. Um, yeah, like she scares the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, and uh, there are also very rarely people that are born without a glyph, which is boots. Which is boots. Boots has no glyph. She's there was an actual Arcania dysphoria or something like that was the actual term. The but the, the slang is dolphin. Yeah, kind of like Muggleborn for mudblood. Mudblood. It's more than mudblood. Yeah, mudblood would be what it was because yeah. she like takes offense when anybody calls her. Oh yeah, it lights her up and she wants to punch somebody yeah. in the face. <laughs> which yeah, and and because it's very rare too. It's not. Yes. It's, it's not like what a, one in six million. Yeah, I think is the ratio people that are born it's without r- a glyph yeah it's ridiculously rare and that 
and that's it like the world has to work around her because she can't access certain things like uh like neela can with her her race mm-hmm. car and ships neela could just you know hook in i'm ready to go uh boots has to do more boots has to has to have certain systems hooked up so she can actually but at the same time some other people's magic does not affect her right exactly she's not affected by some magic um just because of being dull mm-hmm. um so yeah, no, the magic system is interesting. I don't think they don't ever really dive into it very no, much. No, it doesn't very have explained. like yeah, it doesn't have a very definite magic rule system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think I, it was I fine. Yeah, it didn't really take anything away from the story. I don't think no, that for the system it was okay. Yeah, for the story. I agree. Yeah, it fit with this just kind of adventure. This is what we got. Let's go. Yeah, kind of thing. You didn't have. Like, example, Mistborn, you didn't have someone learning about right. the powers and having to figure out how to use them. It was just simply... You just kind of learned it as you go. You I mean, it kind of gave you the basis of this is kind of how the magic works, and then it gave you a little bit more examples as the story went on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was okay. Yeah. Orna had the big, uh, badass um, metal suit that walked around with her name Ranger. Yeah, Ranger. I liked Ranger. He kind of... Like, I, I couldn't imagine how he looked in my head, but I saw um, the big metal monster from uh, Thor 1, like the big thing that was destroying the city in Thor okay. 1, except with, like, black instead of silver. Okay. Um, and that's what I saw when I thought of Ranger, just this big hulking robot <laughs> that Orna fit into. Um, so just talking about characters a little bit, we've already talked about Neela for a good part. She's yeah. a spoiled rich kid, kind yeah. of. Yeah, she's very spoiled. She's so funny. She's like... You don't know what I've been through. I have to exercise so much, and I can only eat fifteen hundred calories Bo- a day. Boots is like, oh, that's tough. You poor baby. <laughs> There's an age difference between them too. Yeah, because Neela's like twenties. No, she's like nineteen. Oh, she. I know she was young. Yeah, yeah she's like nineteen. She, and, and Boots is forties. She's in her early forties. Yeah, Boots is Boots is older, which is interesting because they actually how they get along eventually. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they do, but well, and it kind of makes a new perspective on the scene where they met where Nyla yeah. like shows up to like straight up attack her <laughs> because that's the only lead that she has for what happened yeah. during the race. Well, she hears so it's like this little 19 year old kid attacking this like fully grown woman. <laughs> I guess 19 is you know pretty fully grown yeah, but still. But still it's, yeah. it's, it's a young kid coming up to a grown adult woman going what have you done you know just like yeah. getting on to her. She's like who are you? And screw- yeah. Screwing everything up. <laughs> yeah so Boots was I mean she was in the war. She's yeah. kind of always grizzled, angry. She's yeah. never grizzled. I mean, she's kind of where the stereotype comes in. Yeah. I she feel like does, with sci-fi she, women. She does. Um, I definitely like her digs, at, especially at uh, the captain. Yeah. The all the time. She's constantly, she's constantly reminding him of his failures because she was mad at him after the war. Mm-hmm. So. And the captain himself, I mean, he was a captain. Yeah, and I've, and that's I've, that's except for characters like Orna, like Neela, and Boots. The rest are kind of there. Yeah, like I like the captain. I definitely I liked the cook. Was Didier? Yeah, Didier, I think. Didier, his name. I liked him. I definitely liked him a lot too. Um, which I think when someone, uh, I think it was Cameron from Nerdberg Review, said there was a character like Wash from Firefly. Well, like Alan Tudyk, yeah. Yeah, I, I would, I guess that was the cook. I'm not sure. Um, I, Cameron, yeah. if you're listening, let us know. I I'll, I'll probably message you. <laughs> really see the Firefly comparison here, other no. than there's a crew. Yeah. On a spaceship. Yeah. That's really all that I see. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, but besides besides those three, I'd say those three main characters, even though Orna's technically not a main character, I, the rest were just kind of there for me. Yeah. Um, they were all fine. None of them were bad, but yeah, they like were the just kind of Yeah, like the pilot, 
Um, the, she was the married doctor to the doctor. Was okay. Yeah. The doctor had a little bit more character development. He was nice. He was nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... mother was creepy. That was. Well, yeah. So mother and the whole. I guess there's kind of an evil organization yeah, kind of thing. There's not, an evil yeah. conspiracy Basically. that you find out later on. And it's so cartoon villainy. It is. It's it's very much just kind of, it's oh, far, okay, Yeah, their motivations and stuff. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I mean, there's kind of a reason, but it's very cartoon villainy. Again, not bad, but not new. It's not, yeah. it doesn't feel fully fleshed out. It, I don't know. It yeah. feels a little bit empty. I can yeah I can agree with that. It was definitely just kind of we're here. Yay! This is what we're doing because Yay. reasons well, and ha, stuff. Ha. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if there are future books, which yeah, there I will be future is. books. Yeah, yeah, there is. Maybe there will be a little bit more to it explored later on. But De- definitely with the way the book ended, I'm sure there's going to be others because it's yeah just with the way the book ended. I was going to go more into it, but that'd be spoilers. So yeah, um, it's left very open. It's left very open ended for sure. For sure, this story is pretty much wrapped up yeah this... in some parts it feels it has an ending mm-hmm. it's not a total cliffhanger no it's not cliffhanger at all but it is open for future like what was that de- one of the demon cycle books where some of the people went over the edge at the very end oh of it. yeah that was book two or three i want to say it was think, three yeah i think you're right it was very much they went over the edge all right next book that'll yep, come out and here. that's the end yeah <laughs> thankfully we read it, was, it yeah when the next book was, it already, was already out, out. <laughs> so we could just jump into it yeah um but this book didn't it did have the story concluded but it definitely left it for a hey there's more adventure to be held which yeah usually with these these type of space adventure books there usually is there's right. usually another adventure to go on um, I don't ever think we actually talked about what they were looking for. They were looking for the Harrow, the Harrow, which, which was, was an all-powerful, super massive ship. Yeah. Um. Up until eventually, when they find out more about it, yeah. Um. I didn't fully understand why this was looked after so much, other than it was just a big, expensive spaceship. That yeah. There was no. The there the was no necessarily war. treasure to be on it. I know. Yeah. I know it was a. We could find it and. Give it to somebody and get a Make bunch of money. Make all sorts of money for it, yeah. But there was no, like, treasure on it. It was literally just, it's a big, beautiful ship that does a lot of damage. Now, mind you, it was a part of the Famine War, apparently. I think it was part of the Famine War. Yeah, you and find out that eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a part of the Famine War, and so that's why people know what it is and know mm-hmm. how powerful it is. Because um, it's just a massive ship. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of treasure planet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, storytelling and pacing. Um as far as pacing goes, it was pretty action-packed. Um, I don't feel like there were ever really any slow moments. No, there weren't any truly slow moments. For me, though, the book didn't fully, like, okay, I'm into this till about halfway through. Yeah, about halfway through, some stuff happened that, happened that got me into it for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then it was just okay until maybe... 80-ish percent through when we found out more about the hero and its role in things. And it was... And that was really interesting. Yeah. Um... But it, it wasn't enough to totally change my opinion on the book altogether. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I know the, the halfway mark point we're both talking about because you actually texted me and went, wait, this happened? Yes. <laughs> and I went, yep. Because <laughs> surprisingly, I finished the book before you this time. Uh, it's the one time in our history, I think. <laughs> I think you finished Warbreaker before me. Oh, I did. Yeah. Wow. Because two I'm reading enough. four books in two weeks and you're reading one book in two weeks. That's not true. <laughs> I started Bloody Rose. <laughs> You definitely, yeah, you definitely read through a lot more books than I do. But, um, yeah, the pace, like I said, the pacing's not really slow at any point. But, like I said, yeah, halfway through is when it really picks up for me. Yeah. 
otherwise, not bad. It is. It's a fun adventure. Um, they definitely deal with a lot of stuff. <laughs> there is stuff and things that happen constantly. Um, I like the characters. I love. I don't know why, but I liked Orna. I liked Orna a lot. I did like Orna. She was just the rough and gruff. Um, I don't really give a crap about anybody kind of attitude, but she was. She was still interesting. I don't know, but at the at the end of the day, I don't think I'd continue the series. I it was yeah. It was okay. I I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it that much either. I enjoyed it. I I think I'll check out the second book when it comes out. Um, because I definitely like it. Um, the best thing I can equate this to is a fun action adventure movie. I think that, as a movie, it'd be really cool. Yeah, it'd be fun. I think I'd really enjoy it. Just pop it in at home, watch it off Netflix or something. I yeah, I don't know if this is a movie theater worth, but yeah, maybe it, it would maybe. be fun. It, it, yeah. would, it would be a lot of fun. It'd be a little bit different than all the, you know, superhero movies. It would. Hey, don't talk about my superhero I'm not movies. saying anything bad about Just That's all the sci-fi and fantasy <laughs> we get is either Fantastic Beasts or a superhero movie. So I'm okay with that. It'd be a nice way to, to split it up. Yeah, just no, I can, I can agree. It'd be, a fun, it'd be a fun space adventure movie. That'd be interesting. Now I want to go through who I'd cast in it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think that does it for Big Ship at the End of the Universe or Hey, Let's Go That Way. It's a big ship at the edge of the universe. Oh. I do like yours, though. Hey, let's go that way. Hey, let's go that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So next week, again, we yeah. are going to be reviewing both The Armored Saint and The Queen of Crows by Mike Cole. Yeah. Which are fantastic. Spoilers I'm for so next excited. week's oh, podcast. Ruined it for They're me. amazing. Now I can't read it. <laughs> you better. <laughs> you better. Um, so, yeah. That's what we're doing next week. So make sure you check us out. Read along with us. Let yes. us know what you think. And uh, you can find us at Twitter at BookGeeksUNC. BookGeeksUNC.com is our website. Facebook at Two Book Geeks and Instagram at Book Geeks Uncompromised. And don't forget about Audible. Okay. Go for it, Greg. <laughs> Can't forget about AudibleTrial.com slash BookGeeksUNC, which is where you can get a free 30 days and uh, get the Armored Saint, just like we were talking about. Um, talking about what we'll be reading this week, so you can get it on there. Uh, I think, yeah, Big Ship at the Edge of the Universe didn't have one yet. No, it um, doesn't yet. But, uh, yeah, if there's a book you've been looking about getting, go ahead and grab it that way. You get it for free. Try out an Audible book. Uh, it's good for while playing video games and such. Yes. You can play it in the background. It's good stuff, especially like Stardew Valley. Good yes. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Everybody have a wonderful week. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>